And for the rest of us here this morning, we are so excited to have um, Ray Martin with us, also known as Butch. Uh, Butch has spoken here a number of times in the past. Butch has been a pastor and evangelist, and currently he is working with uh, BB's Grocery Stores. He's in charge of finances and administration at BB. So Butch, come on up here. We'll have a word of prayer, and then you can share with us this morning. All right, brother, let's pray. Join me. Our Father God, we thank you so much that our brother can be here this morning to share with us. Lord, we ask that he would be your mouthpiece for us this morning, that we would hear your word, God, that it would penetrate our hearts. Father, we thank you so much that we can gather together here to hear your word preached, to be encouraged by your spirit, Father. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. How y'all doing this morning? I'm doing great, Butch. I tell you what, it's awesome. I'm glad to be here. But what about them? You know, I think, I think most of them are really excited to be here. Maybe, maybe they're just a little reserved, you know. But reserved. you could probably get them going. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So let's try once more. How y'all doing this morning? <laughs> all right, all right. So, you know, you have to think about that, right? So if you love Jesus and you're in the house of God, and you get to worship and sing songs, and you get to hear the word, and you get to fellowship with brothers and sisters, it's got to be a pretty amazing opportunity, because this is what it's really all about, right? So I'm really glad to be here. So I got to correct Steve. He did the Lancaster County thing. It's Marvin, not Martin. And I know people in Lancaster County think that's my first name, and everybody I know says, you got two first names. And everybody else just calls me Martin, you know, and so it works out pretty good, but... The, uh, the, it's, it's all good. I just, I just, it happens like I've lived in where I live for 33 years, and it's happened for 33 years. <laughs> you're not supposed to be a Marvin if you're in Lancaster County, unless it's your first name. Well, I'm really glad to be here with you. Um, kind of the first time I've been in this building, but as Steve said, I've shared with you guys a few times before. Um, last time I was supposed to be here would have been. Uh, January 27th, 2019. I was supposed to be here that morning to speak with you guys. And um, the Wednesday before that, my wife had been really sick with cancer for the second time around. And Kendall Keeler texted me and said, you know, if you got a bail last minute, I'm ready. I'm, Jesse's good with it. And uh, my wife, she wasn't saying much those days. But she's like, you need to go. You need to go. And finally that Wednesday afternoon, I decided I wasn't going to go. And about quarter to six that morning, she passed. And um, I've thought a lot about that day, a lot, you know, and it's been an amazing time to try to figure out life. And when Jesse uh, asked me about speaking here this summer, he said, just share whatever's on your heart. You know, sometimes when you do guest speaking, they have a topic for you, or they want you to fit into a sermon series, or they just want you to share what's on your heart. And so uh, back in April, the Church of Timberline was, is in the middle of a series from The Purpose Driven Life, following Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, and they're doing a sermon every week, so 42 sermons. They asked me to do a couple of them, and I did week six, which is Life is a Temporary Assignment, which is kind of something that I know, and if you're a follower of Christ, you know that, but it's, it's been a much uh, bigger reality in my life after I watched my wife go home, my first wife go home with the Lord. And so in that, so this sermon is modeled after that chapter, and, and that, you know, I stole all the good stuff from him, and anything that's not so good, that would be what I put into it. But really, it all focuses on this thought that's up on the screen, how I see my life shapes my life. So, so this morning, I want to tell you a little bit about my life, a little bit about how I saw life, and how that shaped my life, and how that vision changed over the years and got maybe wider got maybe bigger, and how that shaped things up, really focused on this whole idea of life being a temporary assignment. So I grew up in southwest Philadelphia. I was a middle child, five children. There, there would have been six. The first one was born a stillborn, so we never met her. But I had two older sisters, two younger brothers. 
grew up in southwest Philly, um, loud, obnoxious, you know, all that kind of stuff. You guys aren't allowed to say that about me, but I can say that about me, and I can say that about other people from Philadelphia because I'm from there. And we are loud and obnoxious. The first thing I learned when I moved to Lancaster County, I said to somebody, how you doing? That's what we say in Philly. That's hello. How you doing? And they started telling me how they're doing. I went, whoa, whoa, I don't really care how you're doing. That's just how we say hello. And then the guy looked back at me and said, then why don't you just say hello? So, um, you know, what's so... And I grew up in a family that was really a mess. I mean, it was just really a mess. Uh, my dad was a weird guy. You know, he just liked to beat on me because I was the oldest son. So if I did something wrong, he beat me up. If my sister did something wrong, he beat me up because he shouldn't hit women. He had some thoughts. But you know, how he saw life shaped his life. And he was an illegitimate child. He didn't know his dad. He didn't know his mom. He grew up with these three old ladies. Um, I remember two of them, Granny and Aunt Lou, and um, I don't remember the third one, but they were just these old ladies who never got married. They were old maids. You know, that, that's probably not a politically correct term today, but they were okay being called that, and, and that's they raised him. And so he just grew up weird and didn't have a good life. And, but how he saw things is what he did. So he was a gambler, and he was addicted to that, and he would work a little bit and gamble most of the time. And I knew I didn't want to be like that. So how I saw my life started to shape my life, so I just worked hard. My dad didn't work. I didn't want to be like him. I thought I needed to do something opposite. So I just worked hard, and I always worked hard, and, and I did pretty well. And, you know, kind of things worked out for me. And then I met my first wife. I was 17. She was 19. She was a hot man. She was, whoo. You can't say that either. And, you know, we just had an amazing time. We kind of grew up together. We didn't know anything, but how we saw life is, you know, you met somebody, she, you thought they were cute, you, you got along, you, you just kind of went after it. You know, we got married after a few years, and we spent some time together, and we started raising a family, and you just, you, how you saw your life shaped your life. You needed money to survive, so you worked hard. I didn't want to be like my dad. Turns out I was more like him. You know, I was loud. You know, I mean, in Philly, people are just loud because they got to be heard right? You got to say something loud, you know? This morning when it said, you know, good morning, how y'all doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. <laughs> Steve, I like this response, you know? How are you doing? And we would just say, and so how you see your life shapes your life. And how I saw my life was about trying to be a dad, trying to be a father, trying to be a provider. So that's what I focused on. The problem is, Sometimes, in our limited perspective, in our limited vision, because all of us have blinders on, we only see certain things. So there's a whole big piece of the world out there that we never see. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we never know anything about. And so it can't shape us because we don't see it. We don't know how it is. And that whole thought comes in this idea of how I see my life shapes my life because life is a temporary assignment. And it really simply is a temporary assignment. That's all it is. We're just here for a time. Mary was here for 62 years, 7 months, and 20 days. That's how long she was here. 2015, she got diagnosed with cancer, went through surgery and 14 months of chemo and radiation. And then she had 21 amazing months, 21 amazing months of health. She got re-diagnosed, uh, started getting sick in August of 18, started having some problems, got diagnosed in October, died in January. Lasted three and a half months. She was three and a half years from the time she first got cancer until she had the second time and she passed. And she would always say, all through that time, she'd always say, God's got this. She would always say that. Toward the end of her life, she died on Sunday morning, like I told you, but on Friday night at midnight, so Saturday morning, Friday night, it was at midnight, I would give her her medicine. I stayed home and took care of her the last three and a half years of her, three and a half months of her life. And so I, I, I said to her, you ready for your medicine? She said, okay. I said, you got to get two kinds now. Give her medicine every four hours. And I put some medicine on one side and put some medicine on the other side. <clears throat> and then she looked at me. And she had not said much that last week. She could hardly speak words. She had been in the hospital bed the last week there in our living room. <laughs> and she said, I'm sorry. I said, what are you, what are you sorry about? And she said, I, want, I just want to go home and be with Jesus. And I said, hey, we've been praying for that for a couple months. I mean, for a couple weeks, we'd just been praying that God would heal you here and take you home. She said, yeah, but it's going to be hard on you, Butch. I said, yeah, but you need to go. So she was in this hospital bed. She couldn't lay flat because she had so much cancer inside her. So she was on about a 45-degree angle, and she kind of leaned up, and she raised her arms up to heaven. And in her 
normal voice, which I hadn't heard in a little over a month. She just started praising God. It was almost nine minutes. I just stood there in awe. Because she realized that this is just the short side of eternity. This is just that little window. She put her arms down, laid down, kissed her on the forehead, you know. She never spoke another word. She lived 30 more hours. Never spoke another word. Every four hours, they'd say, you ready for your medicine? She'd just nod her head. She was 105 pounds most of her life. She wasn't a really big girl. She was down to about 70 pounds, just laying there, just skin and bones. But just deeply in love with Jesus. Deeply longing for that moment. Because see how she saw her life shaped her life. And so when she was 33 years old, she met Jesus. See, we didn't grow up in church. We didn't grow up learning about David and Goliath and Noah and all that kind of stuff. We grew up on the streets. She grew up in the streets. Coach Fly grew up in the streets of Southwest Philly. You just fended for it, did the best you could. Someone knocked on our door. I was 31. She was 33. They invited us to church. Bart Mennonite Church, Little Mennonite Church, much like media, much like what this church has evolved, had came from. And they offered us this gospel. And we went to church and we felt welcomed, felt in, invited. They started a Bible study and we got to learn and we started to see a part of life that neither one of us had ever seen. We had no concept of it. My idea of church growing up was that's where you drop grandma off at nine and pick her up at 11. That's what we did, me and grandpa. That's what we did. We never went in. Why would you go in? I don't know. That's grandmom's going there. We didn't know about this eternal life. We didn't know about this temporary assignment. Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeting away. See, that's a part of life we didn't see because what we see shapes us. We become what we are. You know, <laughs> my, my new wife, I have a new wife back there. She'll probably wave her hand. Hi, Charmaine. Wave your hand. That's her. I have a new wife by God's grace, and, and she's, a, she's a political radical. <laughs> she's addicted to news. I don't like to watch the news. The news is depressing. I don't read the newspaper. I really don't like something exciting is happening. I guess I'll find about after it does. But what's interesting is if you fill your life with the news, that'll shape your life. If you fill your life with your career, that'll shape your life. If you fill your life with your children, that'll shape your life. If you fill your life with Jesus, that'll shape your life. We got to see, Mary and I got to see a whole new side of life. It was amazing. Something we had never considered. We never ever thought you'd live forever. My cousin Lance says, you know, you get up, you're born, you get up, you go to work, you die, you become worm food. That's what he thinks. That's what I used to think, I guess. I don't know if I really ever thought much about it. But we need the God to remind us that our life, our time here is just short. Our days are numbered. The Bible's filled with teachings on the briefness of life. So as we started to get into the Bible, started to have this Bible study, started to learn about this Jesus character, we started to learn some of these verses, which are pretty cool. I'm here on earth for just a little while. We think life is so important. You know, I have old cars. I have some old cars, an old truck. I have this 56 Ford pickup. It's like really nice. It's, it's really nice. And it's built with all 2002 Ford parts. And the other day I started up to have any oil pressure. And so, you know, I tear this thing all apart. 2000, I'm not, you know, I'm an old school mechanic. I'm not this, this new stuff. It's, it's bizarre, this new stuff. So I just tear this motor all apart trying to figure out what's wrong with it. Turns out it really did have oil pressure. I just misdiagnosed it. You laugh after 20 hours of tearing this thing apart. And I, and I just, I thought, you know what? It's just a truck. You know, 10 years ago, I'd have been really worked up. 20 years ago, I'd have been really worked up about it. Because we don't realize we're just here for a little while and the stuff that's here, it's nice. This is a nice building. It's a nice property. But it's just here for a little while. For we were born but yesterday and know nothing. Our days on earth are as fleeting as a shadow. Did you ever think about that? So when I was young, I thought I knew everything. At 16, I was pretty confident there wasn't anything I didn't know. And at 20, I was sure of that. At 63, I'm lucky to find my way home at night. 
My grandmother used to say, what I don't know with Phil's set of encyclopedias, now maybe some of you don't know what encyclopedias are because you're too young to know that. <laughs> It'd be like the Google of today, right? You know, you, when you wanted to know something back then, you looked it up. And that's how I am today. I feel like I don't know hardly anything. I was born but yesterday and know nothing. Our days on the earth are fleeting but a shadow. Lord, help me to realize how brief my time on earth will be. Help me to know that I am here but for a moment more. You know, in the, in the closing months of my first wife's life, we got a lot of time to talk as we sat there in the living room. She, she sat in this reclining chair from November 1st until two weeks before she died. She moved to an electric reclining chair, and then the last week she lived, she was in a hospital bed. And we would just sit there and talk. And what we talked about was heaven. And what we talked about was this eternity. And what we talked about was children and grandchildren. By the way, for those of you that have grandchildren, you will get this. They are the most amazing thing in the world. It's Jesus, then grandchildren. It's amazing. And anybody doesn't have any grandchildren yet, just skip the kids, go right to the grandkids. <laughs> way, way better. So I have three grandchildren. Charmaine has four grandchildren. Collectively, we have seven, and they're just amazing. They're just amazing. And we talked about that. And my third grandchild wasn't born yet when Mary. Mary got sick. Um, Josh and Kayla, my youngest son, they were expecting. And the baby was scheduled to be born on June 8th, 2019. Mary's birthday is June 7th. And the day we left the Cancer Institute was October 12th. We were driving in that old red truck. We were driving home, and she said, I think it's going to be a little girl. They hadn't known the, the sex yet of the baby. And I think it's going to be born on my birthday, and I'm never going to get to meet her. And I looked over and I said, well, you'll meet her in heaven. And she said, if she chooses Jesus. If she chooses Jesus. Because we don't know how she was going to see life just yet. We don't know what's going to shape her life. And she is an amazing little girl. She was born on Mary's birthday. 2.30 that afternoon, they rushed off to the women's and babies. I got the two grandsons. And 8.30 that night, they called and said, that ain't going to happen today. They said, just go wait in the lobby. You know, you're not, we're not even giving you the room. And so I was putting the boys to bed and read them their stories and put them to bed and prayed with them and came back down and sat down in my chair and, and my text pops up on my phone. She was born 9.37. This little girl, my greatest desire would be for her mom home to meet her in heaven someday. That she would see that life is just a temporary assignment. That she would realize all this stuff that we think is so important is nice, but it's not what really matters. What matters is where is Jesus in your heart? Have you connected with him? Have you said to him, hey, I messed up? You know, the whole deal of getting into heaven is really, really simple. You just simply believe in your heart that you made a mistake, that you messed up, that you failed in some way. And then you just own it and say, hey, what? You know, I messed up. Lord, I messed up. I need your help. And you ask him to come into your heart and you ask him to take over. And then he does. And you'll, you'll take the keys back from time to time. You'll, you know, you'll struggle with that from time to time. But he's always right there. Lord, help me to realize how brief my time on earth will be. Help me to know that I am here for but a moment more. And then the, the first verse on this page, I'll, I'll give it to you, was that that was today's English version, but in the New Living Translation, it says, I am only a foreigner in the land. Don't hide your commands from me. I'm only a foreigner. You know, the more and the closer and the stronger I build a relationship with Jesus, the more this land becomes foreign to me. You know, I love America. Don't get me wrong, I love America. I used to say I, I bleed red, white, and blue. I've said that from the pulpit hundreds of times. But I'm pretty disappointed in America these days. I'm actually pretty uncomfortable in America these days. Some of the things that are happening, some of the, the strange stuff that's going on. And guess what I'm realizing is I'm owning this fact that my home is in heaven. It's not here. This is a great place. Don't get me wrong. And we're blessed to be able to be born into America, into this society. But truly, this is not our home. This is just our temporary residence. To make the most out of life, I need to realize that compared with eternity, this life is very short. This life is very short. 
You know, Mary and I had a lot of dreams, a lot of things we were going to do. And then she got sick. And we stopped doing that stuff. We used to make a trip every year in one of them old vehicles. We'd put four or five or 6,000 mile trip around the country somewhere. We just really have a good time. Last one we did was June of 2015. We didn't make any more after. Even when she got well, we had some grandbabies then, and we wanted to be around for the grandbabies. And maybe someday there's a trip that Mary and I always plan to make. I'm hopeful that my oldest grandson and I will make that trip someday in that old truck. Maybe we'll do that. But we've got to remember that this is really short. We also need to realize that earth is only our temporary residence. It's only a staging area for eternity. This is where, you know, you just get to kind of stage in line. You know, I'm a big drag racing fan. And, you know, you pull up and the tree's there and they light the, your, your wheel rolls in the first stage light lights. And then this, the other guy will roll in, a gal, and, and then their first stage light will light. And when the second stage light of the second lane comes on, then sometime in the next half a second, it's going to be time to go. Sometime in the next half a second, that light's going to automatically, that tree's going to start to automatically come down. If you're in the pro classes, it doesn't even come down. It just goes yellow green. It doesn't even give you the whole tree. It's a half a second. Sometime between zero and a half a second after that second stage light, that's how short it is. And if you think about it, that's how brief our time here is. I'm 63 years old. I'll be 64 at the end of this year. And it's just tiny, tiny little speck in eternity. It's just the tiniest little speck in eternity. And we need to realize that, that we're just staging. So we ought to stage the best we can. We ought to be ready. You know, the guy gets to the track. He doesn't start working on the car then. He starts getting the car ready way ahead of time. Maybe all winter long he's preparing. We need to be staged. We need to be working at it. It's important that we live with a view of eternity, realizing that we are only ambassadors here on earth. We're ambassadors here. We have this opportunity. I don't know about you, but, you know, you guys might have some stuff. Anybody got some stuff? You know, you got some things you like, got some stuff. You know, I was a little boy and I had no toy box. So I always wanted to have a toy box. I got a toy box, 40 by 52. <laughs> it ain't big enough. It was 30 by, it was, no, it's. It was, no, it's 42 by 50. I said it wrong. It was originally 30 by 50. Then I made it 42 by 50. I'm thinking about building a new one, 60 by 100. My six-year-old grandson said, Pop up, I have some land next to where they live. And he said, you should build over here, Pop up. And he said, you don't want to make it so you have to walk all the way across your yard to get to your shop. He called my toolbox my shop. He said, make it so you walk out the door of your house right in the door of your shop. So I was thinking maybe I'll build a big shop and just put a little house in the corner of it. <laughs> but it's all full of stuff. You can't take any of that stuff with you. But you know, I can take my granddaughter to heaven. I can take my grandsons to heaven. I can take that neighbor to heaven. I can take that friend. The only thing that matters is people. We get caught up in all the stuff. One of the things that was a favorite thing of ours to do with our cars is let kids go for rides in them and stuff. And some of my friends that have cars, <laughs> they get a little nervous when I'm around because the kid, I say, I oh, go ahead, sit on the fender. It's okay. And they're like, ah, I'm like, let the kid have some fun. Let them enjoy it. I always tell people I have 20 foot cars. My cars look great from 20 foot, 19 feet, not so good, but they look really good from 20 feet. But we have a lot of fun with them because we realize they're just for fun. They're just for a brief moment. They're not about eternity. I'm only a temporary resident, and as a Christian, my real homeland is heaven. And it really is, and we need to remember that. When I think of life being a temporary assignment, the first question that pops into my mind, why am I here? What's my purpose? So if, if, if our lives are just temporary assignments, what are we supposed to do with it? That's the first thing that comes to my mind. What am I supposed to do? And so when I think about that, Two verses come to mind. Two sections of Scripture come to mind. The first one's Matthew 28, the Great Commission, comes to mind. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You know, this is the moment in time before Jesus ascends. This is kind of like the final marching orders to all believers. Jesus He's died, he's been crucified, 
He's been resurrected. He's getting ready to go home to heaven. He said, guys, here's the deal. This is what you need to do. So if you're here today and you believe in Jesus Christ and he's your Lord and Savior, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And this, and I didn't write this, right? This is the Bible, right? This is Jesus' words. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And this last little bit, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And surely I am with you. So we are supposed to invest our lives in helping others to find Jesus. Helping others to find Jesus. And, and there's kind of an interesting way you've got to go about that. So you could, be, you could go about this and just kind of be like, hi, what's your name? You know Jesus? You need to know Jesus. Hey, what's your name? You need to know Jesus. Or you could go, how you doing? What's your name? Nice to meet you. What do you like to do? Well, what's your favorite sport? Um, no way. Like real American football or that soccer thing? No, All right. I like that. Way to go. Good deal. And, you know, you just get to meet them. And you just become friends. And you just love Jesus in everything you do. And guess what? It's like jumping in a swimming pool. Jesus will just splash all over them. That's what I've found works best for me. I've been involved in all kinds of evangelistic movements. I've been involved in stuff on five different continents. But what works is just going out and loving people. So if my life is just a temporary assignment, I want to love as many people as I can. I want to share the love of Christ with them. You know something else you need to do when you want to do that? When you mess up, you need to say you're sorry. And you need to mean it. We had these three little girls lived across the street from us for years. Ten years they lived there. They were one and a half, two and a half, three and a half when they moved in. This couple had adopted them. They were biological sisters. Um, they had the same mom, some different dads, I think. And this couple just adopted them. They were amazing. They spent a lot of time with these girls. And we'd be out playing. I'd be out in the street playing with them. Or something. And one of them would do something, make another one mad or something. I'd say, oh, whoa, 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 knock it off. We've got to stop. And then one of them would look and say, you know, he ain't going to let us play till you say you're sorry. And then I'm going to go, sorry. And then she'd look and say, you know, he ain't going to let us play until you mean it. <laughs> and you know, you got to do that. You got to mean it. When you, when you mess up, you got to say you're sorry. So I got this new wife, Charmaine. She's pretty amazing. It's been a real blessing to be able to find that. She's a widow and she's had a lot more loss in her life than I had in mine. I got to say, I'm sorry a lot. After the church, you ask her if I say it right or not. But I mess up and I go, Ah, oh, babe, that's, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, I, you know, that was just stupid or, you know, just, just, you got to say you're sorry. You got to mean it. You got to love Jesus with your actions, not just your words. And don't put a, don't put a fish on your back bumper unless you're a good driver. <laughs> Jesus don't need the bad press, honest. But we need to love people. It's what it said. He said, go and make disciples. The Butch translation would say, get out there. Love me every day of your life and let it spill over everybody you meet. I often say it's like making scrambled eggs. You love Jesus with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. You love your neighbor as yourself. And you just mix them all together like scrambled eggs. You don't just love Jesus on Sunday. You just don't love Jesus when you're around your Christian friends. You love Jesus when you're around the guy that's got the bad mouth. Or you love Jesus when you got around the person that's having this struggle that you don't maybe agree with. And you just see what happens. And the second verses that come to mind are John 10.10, 10, where it talks about the full and the abundant satisfying life. So in the NIV, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And the New Living Translation says it a little bit different, same thing. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You ready for the Butch Translation? The devil just comes to take it all from you. Jesus just came to bless you. He wants you to be full. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be encouraged. You ever having a bad day? Go serve somebody. Seriously. You ever having a bad day? Just go to a mission. I used to tell people, just go up to Water Street. Just go help somebody out. We all have struggles in life. We all have a journey. We don't know each other's story. Some stories are more horrific than others. But truth be told, there's somebody always got it worse than we have it. And that's the best way to get focused. 
In the King James, it says, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The more you lean into Jesus, the more you realize that this is just a temporary assignment, you start to see things different. Your view becomes so much wider. And remember, how you see things is what shapes your life. How you see it is what shapes your life. Think about it in your own life. Where did you get some of the things you get? How do you do some of the things you do? I remember when my youngest son was 14 years old. He was walking across the bridge of BB's between the office and the warehouse. He was on the maintenance crew doing yard work. And the owner's son said, the owner's oldest son said, I got my eye on him. I said, what are you talking about? He's 14 years old. No, no, I got an eye on him. He acts like you. He said, I got my eye on him. Today, those two are two of the three owners of BB's, and they do an amazing job, the three of them guys together. You know, and I always told Josh, that's my youngest son, don't, don't make the same mistakes I made. Don't skin your knees where I skin my knees. The stupid stuff I did, remember going back to when you got to say you're sorry and you messed up? You got to say it to your children sometime. You got to say it to your neighbor sometime, your spouse. When you mess up, you got to be honest. If I say anything here this morning that is positive for you, give Jesus the credit. If I say anything stupid, that'd be butch. And I'm just okay with that, but I want you to know that because it's Christ in us that makes the difference. I love this in the King James. I am come. Jesus has come that they, you and I, that the followers of Christ might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So maybe life's going really good for you right now. Maybe things are going really great. You know, I got a new wife. I got all these new adventures. I got all much more grandchildren. I love kids. It's amazing. Jesus just wants to give me a more abundant life. And I had an amazing marriage. 43 years, 43 years, five months, 11 days, Mary and I were together. I had an amazing marriage. I got a new future. My new wife always says, 30 plus years. Let's get 30 plus years. I'll be like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Help me along. You have to change my diaper, but, <laughs> you know. And she's the one who wants 30 plus years, you know, so. <laughs> but a more abundant life when I realize that this life is temporary. There are two truths all believers should never forget. These are two truths. These are like gravity. They just are. You won't ever forget them. Compared with eternity, our life is very short. It is very, very short. Lord, help me to realize how brief my time on earth will be. Help me to know that I am here for but a moment more. Just a, just a smidgen more I'm here for. Even if I make that 30 years, even if I get to 93, it's just a blink in eternity. That's one truth. And the second truth is, this is only, this earth is only our temporary home. Don't put way too much stock in it. Now, if you come by my house, you're going to see neatly cut grass, nice looking place. If you go into my shop, you're going to see everything put away. We have a house in Westminster. My wife is from Westminster, Maryland, and so we commute back and forth. We live both places. I don't advise that. We live both places, you know. You always got grass to cut. You always got something. So I was doing some projects down there, so I had a whole bunch of tools load up in the car. So we got back late last night, put the car away, went to bed, got up this morning, was getting ready for church, went out and unloaded all the tools, put them all back where they go. I think it's nice to have order. I think it's nice for things to be neat. But this is only a temporary home. Don't put too much energy into that. I, I might put too much energy into that sometimes. I'm not sure. You could ask. No, don't ask her. Don't ask her. 1 Peter 1.17 from God's Word. So if, I call, so if you call God your Father... So if you've called God your Father, if you've asked Jesus into your life, if you've asked Jesus to be your Lord, live your time as a temporary resident on earth in fear, not scared, with respect. That word means respect. He is the God who judges all people by what they have done, and he doesn't play favorites. You know, there's only one way to get to heaven. That's to give your heart to Jesus. That's to admit you failed, admit you need help, and ask for that help. But now go forward and live it. Go forward and do what's right. Go forward and make the right steps. So I have a question for you to consider. So this is a simple question. Should the fact that life on earth is just a temporary assignment influence the way I'm living right now? 
should the fact that this is just a temporary time, should that impact the way I'm living right now? Should that influence that in some way? And here we go for the same verse, 1 Peter 1.17 from the New Living Translation. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. This verse became very new to me on January 27, 2019. The next week was a whirlwind after Mary died. I was getting her service together. She, she never wanted a service. Mary was a very conservative. She didn't like a lot of hype. She never wanted to be the center of attention. But she said to me, not long before she passed, a couple of months, she said, I know you want to have a service for me. You can have one if it's really upbeat. So that next week, I just spent, spent planning the service and getting everything ready. And we had the service the following Saturday, February 2nd. And I was up at 4 o'clock in the morning. We, I wanted to take some of the old car her and I always had together there. And it was snowing that morning. She loved snow. I think she was just messing with me. And so, you know, got these cars down there and got everything ready and had the service. And I led the service and gave the message. And 450 people showed up. It was r ridiculous. It was crazy. And had all this stuff. And all afternoon, I'm cleaning up, putting things away and all that. And finally, about 8.15 that night, February 2nd, everything winded down. I had the cars all cleaned up, you know, because I had to get all the salt from underneath them and all this stuff. I had everything put back away. And I sat down in my empty house. And I guess it really hit me that I would never see her again until I got to heaven. And remember that your heavenly Father, to whom you pray, has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residence. And I leaned into God hard. And I made some of the worst decisions in my life after Mary made. She was just an amazing rock in my life. And I would lean into God and I would mess up and I'd repent and lean into God. And, and by God's grace, I met Charmaine and we just kind of connected and we just, you know, she had a lot of loss and you know, we didn't think 70 miles and two houses was a big deal. <laughs> it's getting to be less of a big deal. I like to drive, you know, but we started to forge this new life. We have these other grandchildren. I have a 20-year-old granddaughter now. That's pretty cool. She has a boyfriend. <laughs> We're going to see about that. <laughs> but, you know, there's all these cool things because God is the fear. He, my respect for God, my relationship to God, my realization of this temporary residency here is what has to be the dominating factor. And it's easy to get caught up in the world. It's easy to get caught up in the pressures of life. It's easy, career building, raising children, you name it, fill in the blank. How we live matters. How we live matters. Do you know that many of us are the only Bible some people will ever see. You know when that cashier or that attendant is being rude and you're rude back? When that person does something crazy, I don't know about you, but you know, like road rage lives inside of me. It doesn't get out, but it lives there. And I think, give your driver's license back, you know, or... Step on the go pedal on the right, you know, just, but I just, you know, now sometimes I mumble it, you know, but I don't say it in front of my grandkids. How we live matters. People are paying attention. I can't tell you how many people I've had the privilege to pray the sinner's prayer with. It just, I just became their friend. And after a while, they started asking questions. How we live matters. Philippians 3, 19 and 20 from the New Living Translation. They are headed for destruction. Their God, their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as Savior. You know, the world gets caught up in the craziest stuff. We were at a picnic yesterday afternoon and I went in the house to get a deviled egg. And, you know, we're kind of a lot of us sitting outside. Some, and some people are watching this news thing on this big screen. And I said, what are you guys doing? We're just watching this news. 
And it's about some rally about, and it's Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent. You guys remember Ted Nugent? I'm like, seriously? Then that guy was still alive. And he's talking about, we got it right, you know, we got this, we got that. You know what he needs to be talking about? He needs to come back and listen to this sermon that Jesse preached back at the beginning of the pandemic about minding and doing what the law says because God said the law is right. And I, was, I just looked at this group sitting on the couch and I said, guys, you ought to come outside. And they're like, well, I said, it's nice out there. You don't want to listen to all this. But, you know, we get caught up in the here and now. We get caught up. I get caught up in it. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as Savior. I can love Christ with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength. I can love my neighbor as myself. I can love on my little granddaughter, Ember with just one goal in mind, that she meets Jesus. My oldest grandson, back in December, when he was five, he gave his life to Jesus. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. I have a four-year-old grandson. I have a four-year-old granddaughter. I have, a two, I have two two-year-old granddaughters right now. One's going to be three on the 23rd of this month. I have an 11-year-old grandson, a 20-year-old granddaughter. Just to hear them proclaim Christ to hear them cross the line of faith. That's what it's all about, guys. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You're cheating on God if all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get and end up enemies of God and his ways. Friends, this world is not our home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. I'm just 63 years old, and what I've seen happen to America is we're just full of ourselves. We're just full of ourselves. It's no longer about respect and care. There's no middle ground anymore. Everybody's on the left or the right. What happened to the middle? I'm okay if you disagree with me. I used to have a saying when I was growing up, I'm okay if you disagree with me. I don't mind you being wrong. I would hope you would have the same saying back to me. But I'm not going to get mad at you. We need to back off. Perhaps the highlight of this thought is the following statement. This is out of Rick Warren's book by Rick Warren. In God's eyes, the greatest heroes of the faith are not those who achieve prosperity, success, and power in this life, but those who treat this life as a temporary assignment and serve faithfully, expecting their promised reward in heaven. We're going to get to stand before Christ. So, so my first wife, do you know where she is right now? She's with the 24 elders. She's with the 144,000. They're worshiping Christ, similar to as we worship this morning but with him right there. I just can't wait for that day when we get to stand in the presence of God. And I, I don't have any fairy tales in my head. When I get to heaven, Peter's getting a day off. Christ is going to want to meet me right at the gate because he's going to say, man, you just made it in. <laughs> but he's going to say, welcome home. He's going to say, welcome home. Who is it in your life? Do you, you just praying and just believing with all your heart is going to be able to cross that line of faith? Live and show them the way. All these great people died in faith. Remember the, I call it the, the roll call of faith in the beginning of Hebrews 11? They did not get the things God promised his people, but they saw them coming far in the future and were glad. They said... They said they were like visitors and strangers on earth. When people say such things, they show they are looking for a country that will be their own. If they had been talking, if they had been thinking about the country they had left, they would have gone back. But they were waiting for a better country, a heavenly country. So God is not ashamed to be called their God because he has prepared a city for them. Who has went before you? Who has been added to that list of heroes of the faith? 
I think about Sandy Yoder, the gal that led me to the Lord. I think about Melville Nafsinger, the guy who mentored me for the first 18 months of my Christian walk. <laughs> what a saint that guy was. I think about my first wife. I'm excited to join them because this is just a temporary residence. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This world is not my home. So the verse you ought to remember is 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. We've got to get our eyes off of the here and now. And we've got to get our eyes looking up at what's going to be there. You know what happens when we have bad weather? You get like, you know, some of them bad thunderstorms come through and the wind's blowing, the sky's black, and it's just crazy and stuff's moving around, stuff gets broken. And, and then when the storm dies down, what's, what, what happens next? It's this amazing blue sky. The worst hurricanes come through. The next morning, there's an amazing blue sky. When we look up at that sky, that's God. That's heaven. That's what our future is. I don't know what kind of whirlwind you might be in right now. But look up and realize it's, it's, it's going to end. This is only for a time. This is only for a short time. So the thought to ponder from this message would be, shouldn't the fact that life on earth shouldn't, not should, remember the question earlier, shouldn't the fact that life on earth is just a temporary assignment influence or change the way I'm living right now? So the worship team's going to come back up and they're going to close with this song. So not long before Mary died, a couple months before she died, she said, if you're going to have this service, I like this song, Home, by Chris Tomlin. So I looked up the words to the song. I thought, I don't like that song. And, and we sang this song, actually. <laughs> Mary and our youngest son, Josh, have a love of music, and they have a love of contemporary worship music. And Josh learned the song and led, led this song at her service. And so the band's going to sing this song for you. The worship team's going to sing this song. I would encourage you to really pay attention to the words because it really matters what it says here. And I just want to leave you with this thought. They're going to sing this song. And then Steve's going to come up and, and close the service. But as you think about this song, this is what got Mary through. So she had three and a half years of health issues, three and a half months of just crazy. She just literally whittled away to nothing. And the worst thing she ever said, the worst thing she ever said, about six weeks before she died, she looked at me one day, she said, this is no way to live. That was her biggest complaint. And she had just whittled away to nothing. I mean, literally, she was just skin and bones. And it was because there's a better place. There was a better place waiting for her. And she went home. And that same better place is waiting for each one of us. So just uh, enjoy this song and try to soak up the words.
Hey, if you are here this morning and you're not sure that you are going to heaven, I'm going to be down front here after the service, and I'd love to talk with you how you can know that you can get to heaven. So please, I'd love to talk with you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, my eyes have not been on heaven. It's been on a lot of other things. And you have a prayer concern on your heart. Um, I'd love to pray with you down front here. So please come down. We're here to help you in your walk with Jesus so that you can reflect his love to the people who are around you. So please come to the front. I would love to talk to you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for Jesus who provided a way of salvation for us by dying on the cross. And we are so grateful, so grateful for the hope that we have of being in heaven someday with you. Thank you, Father. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, as we live here on earth, keep us mindful of heaven. We give you thanks, our Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.